Digital Marketing Radio, episode 171. How to sell digital marketing services. DigitalMarketingRadio.com Digital Marketing Radio is part of the 3B Podcast Network. UK casters talking business growth. Find out more over at 3BPN.com The Big Interview with David Bain Today I'm joined by a dog and a public speaker, a certified Google trainer and a published business author. He's co-founder of digital marketing agency based in Brooklyn, New York. Welcome to DMR, Joe Apfelbaum. Yes, you got it right. There we go. There, there we go. I practiced it 50 times beforehand, didn't I? <laughs> 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 so thanks for joining us, Joe. It's where you can find Joe over at ajaxunion.com. So, Joe, can selling digital marketing services just using digital marketing work, do you think? Or do you have to go face-to-face and use other tactics as well? I once heard an author by the name of Jeffrey Gittimer say that people hate to be sold, hate to be sold things, but they love to buy. People love to buy. So when you talk about selling digital marketing services, some people, when you're trying to sell them anything, they feel uncomfortable. Um, but your question is is uh, something that I always thought about as I was growing my agency. And what I learned was it depends on what type of customer you want to have. You really want to think about who is your customer. Do you want a transactional type of relationship with your customers or do you want a transformational type of relationship? You want somebody that's just going to buy something from you because they believe that they're getting value from it in that moment and they're going to go to the lowest cost provider. Or are you going to build a relationship with that customer and ultimately be able to grow the customer and make a bigger impact? And it really depends on what you're selling, how you're selling it, how many you want to sell, what your price point is. If you have a very low price point and you want many, many customers, then you have to use digital marketing to sell your own product, whether it's a digital marketing product or whether it's any other product. But if you have a very high value product that has a significant price ticket on it, then you can get leads using digital marketing, but ultimately you're going to have to build a relationship with that person so that you can get them as a client. So there are some agencies that only sell a few hundred dollars per month program or a one-time a few hundred dollar a month product, or there are some agencies that sell products that are tens of thousands of dollars a month. It really depends what space you want to be in. If you just want to sell ebooks, then the best way to go about that is to have a really great landing page, have a, a great PPC campaign or a great social media campaign, get people to your page and have them buy your ebook, have them buy your digital products. But if you want to sell more comprehensive services like coaching and so on, sometimes it takes more of a, a lead nurturing campaign and getting people, building a relationship with them that will help you ultimately close the deal. So are you just in the high end of things, Joe, or do you also sell products and services at the lower end of things as well? Right now, we're just in the high end of things. So we're a B2B lead generation digital marketing agency. We help larger B2B companies generate leads using the internet. So everything from SEM, SEO, social, email, PR, marketing automation, conversion rate optimization, we do the works for them. But there are typically companies that are spending a few hundred thousand dollars a year on advertising. Um, we used to work with smaller companies. We worked with over 1,100 companies since we opened our doors seven years ago. 
And many companies we use AdWords to get, but they typically tend to be the lower quality leads that we were getting, the smaller businesses that are kind of looking for a quick solution. All the larger accounts and the higher quality accounts we got as a result of networking and referrals. Okay, so building that relationship is what's doing it for you. How many touch points on average does it take to bring in a client nowadays? It depends on where, like how ready the client is, right? So sometimes somebody calls you up and they're just a startup getting started. They don't even have funding and it takes them several months to get funding and then they want to work with you and so on. So you have to build that relationship over time with them till they're ready. Sometimes it's a business that doesn't really have the need right now. And you have to reach out to them many, many times until they're ready. Sometimes they have a need, but the trust isn't there yet. And sometimes they just call you up and they need to go yesterday. Do you ever get somebody to call you up and say, I need to get on a program yesterday? So when you're qualifying somebody, you could really learn how many touch points you're going to need. Typically, it takes 7 to 12 touch points to get somebody in the door in any sale. right? They say most salespeople stop at six touch points. But most sales are made after seven touch points. Right. And that's why there are so many failed salespeople out there. So you've also said that um, occasionally someone will come up to you and actually just want to buy off you. Is that type of person just as likely to be a good long-term customer? Or is it more likely to be the kind of person that you've built that relationship with for a long time? You've had 10 plus touch points with is going to be your better longer-term customer. The harder it is to get a client, the longer they will last typically. They say, easy come, easy go. That has been our experience. Somebody that just walks in the door and spends $50,000 a month with me with no due diligence. They just literally doing it. They have a big itch and they need to do it. And then suddenly three months later, they're like, woof, just like they came, they went. And so, yes, it happens that easy come, easy go. But it's, you know, I can't rate every single relationship in the same way. I can't judge all relationships. If you're in a very high value, high touch business, then every single relationship is valuable. And if somebody's ready to go and they trust you and they look at your referrals and they see your testimonials and they see everything that you have going on and they trust you, chances are they're going to move along very quickly, especially if you're experienced enough to write the right proposal for them, giving them what they need to hear, giving them the information they need to see and making sure to move the process along very quickly for them because you have a good process, chances of you closing them are going to be much quicker. So you've mentioned a few other things like testimonials there. Um, Obviously, you were talking about um, getting people to trust you, your own personality to begin with there. What are some other ways that you can differentiate your brand from another brand that offers similar kind of services at a similar kind of price point? Everybody has their unique selling proposition. Every agency out there, if you're an agency owner and you're listening to this, you have a unique selling proposition. You might be telling everyone, oh, we do everything. We do web design. We do print design. We do branding. We do digital marketing. We do SEO, SEM. We do everything, media buying, right? You might do everything, but you don't do everything well. You have to find your niche. So somebody recently came over to me and they said, Joe, why should we use you over this other company? And I said, if you want a really great website, that company makes beautiful, beautiful websites. But from what I understand, you're looking to generate leads. And if you want to generate leads and get a really great ROI, you should probably use us because that's what we specialize in. And I'll repeat this again. 
If you need a website, go to them. They design nicer websites than we do. So that's how we differentiate ourselves. We don't put down a competitor. We don't put down somebody else. We say, no, they're great. But for something else that you may not need right now, for what you need, we're the best person for that. And at the same time, you're building a relationship and you're making someone trust you even more by pushing someone away when it's not your core area of expertise. We turn down 90% of the business that comes to us and we look for other agencies that we can give that business to. So we build relationships with other agencies that we can give the business and then they give us in turn the business that's not good for them, but that's good for us. So are these just informal relationships? It's no strategic alliance that you've got in place. Yeah, they're informal relationships. Like somebody, I'll meet uh, an agency owner and he'll say, I specialize with sales teams, with uh, uh, companies that have sales teams that are between 10 and 20 sales te- 20, 10 and 20 salespeople and that are specifically within the Florida area. And then we charge them between $1,500 and $3,000 a month and we help them with their CRM. So now if anybody ever calls me from Florida that needs, uh, that has a sales team and that needs help with their CRM, I know who to send them to. So has you, have you found that as the business has evolved, as time has gone by, the quantity of individual services that you offer has actually reduced in number? Or were you actually offering too much to begin with? To begin with, when we just started our company, we were everything to everybody. We would make business cards, do branding, do printing, do everything that anybody wanted. They came to us, we did it. Consulting, we got it. Anything you want, we'll do it. We'll walk your dog for you. (laughs) We'll do anything for you, right? Just pay us. And that's what typical startups do. But after a while, we were trying to scale our business and it wasn't scaling. It wasn't moving. We weren't getting enough customers. So we decided we're going to offer one product. We're going to offer SEO for small businesses. So we came up with an acronym called the Anubi. Articles, blogs, classified ads, directories, social media, social bookmarking. This was seven and a half years ago, mind you. Mm. We offered it for a few hundred dollars a month. We asked five companies that were in our circles, would you go on this plan if it was month to month? And they all said yes. And within a year, we had over 100 customers on it. And we hustled, 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 and we got over 1,000 customers on it. So that was the prime product that we had. And that's how we got our business to be one of the fastest growing companies in the United States on the top of the Inc. 500. But I would say that as time went on, we really diversified. We started offering PPC. We started offering email marketing. We, st- we had a video department. We started offering web design. And then we became too diverse. We started offering way too many things. And we were everything to everybody again. And then we needed to refocus. So we decided we're going to focus on B2B lead generation. And now we're back zeroed in on focused on a certain type of business. And you have any clients who were there with you seven years ago, still with you at the moment, or has your business changed so much that you have different clients now? We have, we still, we still have some legacy clients and we're slowly looking to get them to either get up to the level that we need them to be mm. or move on. But most of the clients have moved on. <laughs> I love that attitude. Uh, get your clients up to the level that you need them to be in order for you to accept them as clients. Not really to accept them, but to be able to add the maximum value right. to their business you know, the, the, the employees that we have today are not the same as the employees when we started our company first, right? The okay. people that got you there won't get you there. So we look for the most talented, most incredible, most amazing people that we can possibly find that would help us in the stage that we're at right now. And that's what we have working with us right now. So how have your relationships with um, how you deal with companies changed and the role that companies 
taken on themselves changed as well? I mean, for instance, have you seen more specific roles move in house? And what, what kind of trends do you see this taking in the future? I think that companies and this, the specific type of companies that we're working with right now, they need a true partner. They need someone to get into their business, look at their PL, look at their business and understand their business from a business standpoint, not just from a marketing standpoint. If you really want to grow your business, you have to look at it from a business perspective. And a lot of marketers out there are really great at marketers, they're really great consultants, but they don't understand the business aspect of it. That's what I find. And when we go into a company, the way that we stand out is we really understand their business. So it used to be in a transactional type of role, we didn't have the bandwidth to be able to put a really expensive strategist that would go and strategize about their business and figure out how to grow their business from a business perspective, not just from a marketing perspective. Now we get in there, we help them track their key performance indicators across their whole business. We help them with their culture. We help them with recruiting. We help them with so many different things, but we use digital marketing to be able to help them accomplish that. Okay, okay. So you make yourself indispensable almost. Yeah, so we work with them as a partner so that they rely on us. So it's not like everyone's dispensable, like everybody's replaceable, as they say, but they wouldn't want us because we have a positive ROI. They wouldn't want us to leave. They wouldn't want us to go because everything we do for them, we're literally, what we're doing is we're printing money. (laughs) And is this the way the agencies in general are going at the moment, do you think? Do you think that agencies are becoming business consultants or is this just your business you're talking about? I think it's our business, but I think more and more agencies, as they go up to bigger, higher-end customers, they're going to need more, become more business consultants. You know, if you're an agency owner and you're not reading books that are business books and you're just doing tactics, marketing, you're not going to be able to really work with the larger companies that need you to understand it from a business. You're just going to have a transactional business and anyone that's just looking for SEO or just looking to get rich quick or they're just looking to get lucky is going to be your customer. Well, those people that have a $100,000 a year business, those people can't afford to pay you fees that you're looking for. They can't afford to help you be able to pay your employees top dollar. If you want to get top top talent in your business, you need to pay top dollar. And for you to be able to pay top dollar, you need the right type of customer that could afford to pay top dollar, not someone that's looking to just use an intern so that they can get some free SEO and free traffic so that they can grow for free. Nothing is free. Free is overrated. So if you were looking to start your own agency just now and you had no team behind you, hardly any capital at all, what area of digital marketing would you look to go in to start a service? I would figure out what I appreciate about internet marketing myself. What I'm really good at as a consultant, and I would start there. Being First, you start as a consultant, and then you build a team around your expertise. So figuring out what you love doing within digital marketing. So if you're a social media freak, if you love social media, start a dish social media agency. If you love podcasting, start a podcasting agency. There's so many companies that need podcasts that don't have podcasts. If you love video, if you're an insane video crazy person, then start a company that does video. If you love advertising, if you love lead generation, if you love marketing automation or email marketing, if you're a blogger, start an agency that focuses on that. If you love law firms, start an agency that does a specific service for a law firm. Be as specific as you can, go into a niche, become the expert, and guess what's going to happen? You will get 
motivated. <laughs> well, let's segue into the second section of our discussion. So that focuses on Joe's thoughts on where digital marketing has been and where it's heading. So starting off with software I couldn't live without. So Joe, what kind of software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? So I would say project management applications are so important for agencies. If you're not using a program like Basecamp or like Active Collab or Zoho Projects or, or some other project management application with an agency, you have to be able to manage projects effectively. You also have to be able to manage people's time effectively, how they're working, how effective they're being. We use an application called Hubstaff that tracks our employees' mouse movements and how much time they're spending, whether working on client work or sitting idle on their computer. And in order to be able to bill our clients properly, we need to know that our people are doing the work properly. So project management application helps you be able to track the project, set up milestones, set up to-dos, and be able to communicate internally and externally. And then tracking software like Hubstaff tracks people's times and what they're doing, and there's a timer, how much time you spent on each thing that you did, and there's little screenshots that get taken every couple of minutes so that you can see and the client can see transparency and they could see exactly what our employees are doing. Another application is a CRM. If you're not using a client relationship management program like Zoho CRM or like Salesforce or like Pipeline Deals, there are so many out there that you can use. It doesn't matter which one you use. It matters that you use it. If you're not using a, a, a client relation tool like that, you're really leaving a lot of opportunity on the table. So those are two tools that we use or three tools that we use that are very useful. Okay, that's great. So that software to, to track uh, movements, uh, screenshots, that's interesting as well. Does that mean that a lot of your staff aren't actually on premises where you are at the moment? Most of them are. We have most of them full in-house, but we also use a lot of them that are outside. We don't use it so much to track them because they're not in front of us. We pay people to work, not to come to work. So um, two days a week, everyone in-house can work from their home as well. That's not why we track it. We track it more so that the employee themselves know how much time they worked on each thing. And if they need to go back and show the client that they actually were working, they could show them how much time they worked and how effective they're being. So it's, it's really self-monitoring more than anything else. Well, here's a slightly more challenging question, and that is, what piece of software don't you use, but you've heard good things about and you intend to try at some point in the near future? So there, there are a variety of marketing automation softwares that we use for our clients, but we don't use them ourselves. We once signed up to Hubstaff, HubSpot, HubSpot yeah. and, um, and we paid $2,000 to sign up as an agency and this and that and the other thing, but we never ended up using it ourselves. We never implemented it. We have really good. We have our own marketing that we do really well with. We send out emails and we produce videos and we have our own podcast and a blog and everything. But I think it's the marketing automation software that we do a really good job with our customers, but we don't do such a great job on ourselves to be able to nurture our own leads. That's something that I'd like to start trying out and start implementing um, when we when we launch our next campaign. And you haven't got one piece of software at the moment in mind for that. So we're looking at Marketo. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of Marketo, yeah, a very popular software. We use it a lot for our clients. So we're thinking about using that um, for ourselves. Wonderful. Okay, well, I'll include all the links to all your recommendations in the um, show notes at digitalmarketingradio.com. But let's move on to... I wish I would have. So I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you're involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? So if I look back at when I opened up the agency and thought to myself, okay, what, 
what could I have done? I think that number one, getting mentors that are agency owners to kind of mentor me through the process. I didn't have the courage to do that. I thought, why should somebody want to speak to me? And now that I'm a more successful agency owner, I realize that there is a lot of people out there that are a lot more successful than I am that are willing to help me. So just being vulnerable and asking for help is so powerful in any position that you're in, whether you're a professional or whether you're a digital agency owner or whether you're a business owner. Go out and find someone that's where you are, that's where you want to be and ask them for help. And chances are they're going to want to help you. You might say, oh, no, they might think you're a competition. Only people that are not successful are afraid of competitors. People that are successful, they're not afraid of competitors. They say, bring it on. So do you have a mentor at the moment still? I have, I have several mentors. I have over a dozen people that I meet with through Entrepreneurs Organization. I meet with them on a regular basis. And I ask them for the best practices, what they're doing. I tell them about what I'm doing. And we share ideas. Um, and that's, that's really what's been helping me be able to think outside the box and work on my business instead of in my business. A lot of times business owners get lost working inside their business. And they forget that when you're working in your business on your client stuff, you're not working on your own business. Mm. So you got you to gotta work on your own business and that's how your business is going to grow because otherwise you're just going to get stuck doing the same old, same old. And do you think that kind of mentorship has to be face-to-face as well? I think that it has to be face-to-face to feel the energy, to build the trust. Definitely has to. So find somebody geographically local or travel to go meet with them every once in a while, at least once a quarter. Um, but you could also speak on the phone. Um, I would say another thing is I really did not believe in business coaches when I launched my agency. Um, I just thought I was the smartest person around. I really did. I really thought, eh, what does anybody know? What does this coach know? If he was so successful, he'd do it himself. But the reality is some people are very, very successful and they don't want to do it themselves. They want to teach other people how to do it. And there's a place in this world for a coach. A coach doesn't have to be a good ball player themselves. They just know, need to know how to actualize the potential of the actual players, right? Yep. That's what a coach needs to do. Some people say, oh, if he was such a good coach, he would play himself. No, a good coach teaches other people how to play. And in the game of business is no different than any other game. You need to have an amazing coach that you pay top dollar to that will help you get from where you are today to where you want to go tomorrow. If you want to be an athlete, you need to get yourself in peak physical fitness. I didn't know that. I was 75 pounds heavier than I am today when I started my agency. And when I was feeling low, I would smoke. I would eat onion, garlic, wise potato chips. I would go to the bakery and buy everything I saw in sight. I would buy tons of unhealthy food for our employees. What do we have now? We have apples and mm. peanut butter and carrots and, and water and delicious things that make our employees healthier and make me healthier. And the reality is that's something I didn't know when I was launching my agency. I didn't know that going to the gym and working out and getting up early and reading and having a mentor and having a coach, that that stuff really worked. I just thought that, you know, I'm going to start an agency and I'm just going to get lucky because ultimately people just get lucky, right? And you know when I found, when I got lucky? I got lucky when I finally realized that you can plan, you can plan, you can have a strategy and then you can execute on the strategy. If I knew that I can just craft a plan, if I knew that I can really think and grow rich, if I knew that I can literally write down, these are the customers that I want, and this is what I want to do for them, that that would actually happen, oh my gosh, 
life would be very, very different very, very quickly. And is that what you're doing now? You're actually saying to yourself, I want this client and I'm going to work yes. out a way to get it. So we're for 2017, we're going we're gonna to get a whole bunch of new clients. And you see all those cork boards on the wall behind me? Yeah, absolutely. Each cork board represents a client. So we're going to put a logo on each cork board. We're going to put a space of a CEO. We're going to put their contact information, facts about their business, and they're all going to be on the wall. So every visitor that comes, every employee knows, these are the customers that we're going after. And we're, we're, we're just basically going to go after those customers and we're going to close. We're going to close as many as we decide we want to close because we're going to add value to them. And I see this happening time after time after time after time. You want something? Go get it. If you're going to add enough value to that client, they're going to want to do business with you. So go out and add value. That's what it's going to be about for us. Dear audio listeners, um, you're going to have to come and check out the video and um, check out this chalk, uh, this cork board that we're talking about here. But uh, I'm sure you can imagine it in the distance if you're just listening in audio. But let's move on to... The this or that round. So this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions. Just two rows here, Joe. Try not to think about the answer too much. And you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. Ready to go? Sure. Email or Twitter? Email. Audio or video? Audio. Affiliates or display advertising? Display advertising. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. Online press releases or one-on-one relations? One-on-one relations. Paid search or SEO? Paid search. Email contact form or telephone number? Telephone number. Website or app? Website. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Social subscriber. And local marketing or global marketing? Local marketing. You absolutely raced through them there. Uh, no both required. The only one answer that I think was uh, I was surprised with was you said social subscriber rather than actually email subscriber. And you're talking about e- moving to email marketing automation, which, uh, or marketing automation with email at the heart of it. Why social subscriber being more important? When you're targeting people and you want to stay top of mind with them, the email box is so, so, so cluttered today. I would use an email subscriber so I can make them a social subscriber. So if you had to, the purpose of an email subscriber is not to send them emails so that they can take action from emails. The purpose of an email subscriber is so that they can go on social where they spend most of their time and they can connect with you. And then you can have a real relationship because you don't have a real relationship on email. You have a real relationship on social where people can like, where people can comment, and where people can most importantly share. That's what I want people to do. When I put out a video on a daily basis on Facebook.com slash Appfelbaum. I want you to go there and watch my daily video, and I want you to share that video. I want you to like that video. I want you to comment on that video. I don't want you to just get an email, look at it, and leave. I want you to engage with me. So for me, if I had a choice, I would pick a social subscriber over an email subscriber because I'm not looking to build a transactional relationship with you. I want a transformational relationship. I want you to comment. I want you to like. I want you to share. I want you to be involved. So do you think it's always wrong to have a purchase call to action in an email? I don't think it's wrong. I think it depends on what you're selling. For me, I'm selling trust. I'm selling building a relationship. And that takes more time. If I was selling a toothbrush, I would I would choose email over social, frankly. If I was selling just a pro- one-time product, I would choose email over social. But that's not what I'm looking to do here. So I personally chose one over the other for my own personal preference. But that doesn't mean it's right for every business. 
The $10,000 question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? I would spend it on sending really big items to the list of the 100 customers that I want to target that are going to be on my wall. So I would create a really great campaign and I would send them flowers and I would send a band to their office and I would send them personalized information, a bobblehead with the CEO. I would literally just get in front of them and add tons of value, chocolates, every day for seven days. Could you imagine every day a box of chocolates came back from that company, flowers, roses, a remote control car. With I get, to, I get to keep the remote and they have to come see me <laughs> in order for them to get the remote or a helicopter or a drone. I would send people to videotape them and make cool videos with their company. I would just do spec work for them. And how Literally would you actually, just do spec work. How would you actually select the item that you send? Would you actually research what the individual likes before deciding what to send them? I would probably send things that everybody likes. But yes, if we researched and we saw that they like specific things, we would highly customize it. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. And what about measuring the impact of that? Is that simply done by the ultimate people signing up and becoming your client in the future? So the impact is not that they should sign up and become the client. The impact that they should notice us and let us know that they saw us. So for example, when we post an ad with the face of the CEO targeting their entire company, telling them we're trying to get in touch with the CEO and the CEO gets in touch with us because they're like, could you please take down that ad, please? All my employees are making us crazy. <laughs> Think about that. You have a company, they have a thousand employees, they're all on Facebook, all on Twitter, all on LinkedIn, right? And we post an ad that targets specifically them, yeah. telling them to tell their CEO that we love him and that we want to get in touch with him. And then the CEO says, 45 people emailed me this. Could you please stop? <laughs> Is that on Facebook you're talking about? Facebook or LinkedIn or, yeah, there are ways that you can target specific companies with specific ads. It doesn't always get approved because they're very careful with you know using other people's faces and right. copyright material and so on. But sometimes we can get away with stuff. My number one takeaway. Well, Joe, you've offered a lot of great advice in our conversation, but what is the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listener needs to take away and implement in their business? If you're a business owner, if you own an agency or any business, if you're a consultant, you're looking to grow, have a plan. Have a very specific plan. Have intention. Go out, get a mentor, get a coach, and help them. have them help you execute on the plan. If you're just all over the place and you're trying to get there as fast as possible and you're not sure where you're going, you might get somewhere else. So the number one takeaway is have a clear plan for 2017. There's over uh, just over 100 days left till the end of the year. So now is the time for you to set the plan. How's 2017 going to go? How's it going to be different than 2016? What's the exact amounts of clients that you're going to have? What is the exact type of service that you're going to offer them or product that you're going to offer them? How are you going to get them and who are you going to use to help you get them and then go out and execute? Well, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. So thank you so much for your time and your advice. What's the best way to, for our listeners to find out more about you and what you do? So to find out more about me, you can go to joeappfullbaum.com. You could sign up for my weekly newsletter on the side. You can find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash joeappfullbaum. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Snapchat. You can check out our agency website at ajaxunion.com. You can check out our podcast at ceomojo.com, where we interview 52 successful CEOs that built seven-figure businesses from scratch. 
Or you could check out my weekly video that I put out on growtime.tv where we teach entrepreneurs how to grow from average Joe to CEO. Um, again, I put out a daily video on Facebook where I make my smoothie, and I have another video called Street Talk where I talk one to three minutes about how you can get motivated. So there's a lot of content I'm putting out there, a lot of information, and I'm doing this for you. I'm impressed that you remembered all those contact details. That, that was great as well. But uh, thank you so much, Joe. That was wonderful. Um, so if you enjoy what Joe shared today, tell us what you think. An iTunes review is always good, and I might even read it out in a future episode if that's what you want to do. And if Twitter's your thing, at David Bain is my handle. So maybe it's your thoughts on this episode, what Joe shared today. Maybe it's your thoughts on what we should discuss on future episodes. Whatever it is, it would be wonderful to hear from you. But until we meet again, be fantabulous and do one thing that scares you. Adios. Thanks again, Joe. Great episode. Thank you. Bye, everyone.